0: Stay. Hello and welcome back to Beyond Boards, a podcast dedicated to the actions and interests of skaters beyond skateboarding. My guest today is none other than Michael Burnett, the editor-in-chief of the Skate Bible, aka Thrasher Magazine. Michael started making zines during his college years in Boulder, Colorado, and quickly got his foot in the door at Thrasher Magazine. Two decades later, Michael has shot iconic photos with legendary skaters all over the world. He's written numerous articles for The Mag, imagined and brought King of the Road to life in 2003 until its final year in 2018, developed the digital side through the videos on the website, and overall has successfully managed to keep Thrasher as one of the most relevant voices in skateboarding. I had the opportunity to sit down with him for a quick Zoom call early December 2022 in the middle of Sodi season. So here's my conversation with Michael Burnett. I hope you'll enjoy it. thank you so much uh big fan of obviously uh thanks so yeah i'm really stoked uh to get to talk to you it's an honor thank you sure
1: yeah thanks man
0: especially in, uh, right now we're in mid- the middle of the uh, sody season so I'm, I'm sure it's a busy time for you at the mag yeah totally so yeah i usually start my episodes the same way with every guest which is to i ask them basically where where and when they started skating and um so i know that you, in your case you grew up in texas right? Uh, right is that where you picked up a board for the first time Mm-hmm. totally and so so you started skating and then uh, i think you moved to colorado and that's when you started getting into journalism while you were studying uh yeah and uh yeah can you take me through maybe some of these first uh, formative years of skating and getting into photography and journalism maybe
1: sure well, so yeah, I grew up in Texas in the '80s, and uh, Texas was really cool because it had its own skate identity at that point. Mm-hmm. There was a company called Zorlac that was from Texas. Yes. It was like spooky skulls and stuff like that, and um, we had pro our own pros in Texas. So, like, it's pretty soon after I started skating, I started learning about that stuff, and it was. I lived in a small town, but. A couple times a year, I would get to go to Houston or Dallas, which is a big city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had uh they'd have pro contests. So pretty early on, I got to go watch pro contests and see the pros. And like you got to see like your guys, which were like the Texas guys, and they were pretty gnarly and like no nonsense type of skaters. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was that was cool just to have like a vibrant scene where it felt like oh like here it is like it's not something off in California like. At least a little bit, you could see like the what you thought of as the action or whatever right so that yeah. was really cool, but it was the eighties, so people didn't skate very long back then, so by the time I was seventeen, most of my friends had quit skating, so yeah, the last couple of years of high school were pretty pretty harsh just because skating by yourself mm-hmm. with nothing to skate <laughs> that mm-hmm. those kind of vibes. And then I moved to uh, Boulder, Colorado to go to uh, the University of Colorado. And then that was uh, like night and day. It's like a beautiful place. Lots of people doing cool stuff. I found a whole more skate friends than I ever had growing up. So that kind of gave me like a hard reset on skating. Mm -hmm. And so we, let's see, the summer of 93, they built, uh, so for your readers who or younger like there was almost no skate parks, like mm-hmm. the concrete skate parks are from the seventies, and then those were all gone by the end of the eighties and so the skate parks when I was a kid were like half pipe like you'd go to a warehouse and there'd be mini ramps and maybe like a pyramid street course, really basic, but mostly built around like wooden ramps. But in the early nineties, the public skate parks started to happen again, so they were building a skate park in Boulder. Mm-hmm. So that summer, Tim Payne, the ramp builder, came out and me and my friends, how they built the skate park was like, OK, who's going to build this? So me and my friends helped build the park. So okay. we had a little shitty, it wasn't shitty, it was fine, but it, we had a cool little metal skate park, like half pipes and street course. There's footage of it in Welcome to Hell. Okay. They, like Brian Anderson does a rock and roll on the bank to wall. It's like blue metal. He skates the vert ramp at night. Mm-hmm. Donnie Barley skates it, too. But anyway, that was the skate park. And so all of a sudden, this is like big pants, small wheels. Era. Um, yeah, And And uh, just so stoked, trying to learn pressure flips on everything. And uh, <laughs> But anyway, I wanted to make a skate zine. I'd seen skate zines a little bit through my childhood. I knew what they were. And I decided that that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So um, I just did it. I just got a camera and tried to figure it out. And that was kind of my motivation for learning how to take pictures and like trying to write a little bit more uh-huh. and then as that happened i was kind of couldn't figure out what i wanted to do in college like i wasn't really sure and then i realized the journalism program you got to use the darkroom and oh, yeah. you got to use the computers because this is how this sounds crazy too but like people didn't have scanners
0: right yeah, yeah, yeah. like you it's didn't like in have the early, early a, you 90s. didn't at your house
1: yeah. you didn't have a scanner mm-hmm. and you didn't have photoshop and like, so it was like, oh, I get to use the scanner, I get to use the computers. And so it was like, great. So I, yeah. could, I was just basically in there 24 hours a day when I wasn't skating, making zines, just like robbing the place of all the photo <laughs> paper, just like a maniac, just in there, like trying to figure it all out. So I made these uh, shitty little zines with jokes just to make your friends laugh or whatever. Uh-huh. And then I would send those out to like pro skaters i admired i'd send it to ed templeton and i'd send them to all the magazines and stuff like that and so um i got uh like a write-up in trans world okay and i was i was stoked on that and i mean again you have to understand like you can't direct message anybody like you couldn't even email anybody (laughs) you had to like put something in an envelope and put it in the mail and just like hope that something happened so it was like connecting with skaters with that side of it was like i don't know super random and haphazard and Mm -hmm. uh you just did it you know but at the same time skating was a lot smaller so there wasn't that many people so yeah so then i i made skate zines and then um i got a few little things written up i started trying to send photos to the magazines but like nobody was interested and then What did I do? Um, This kid in Cheyenne, Wyoming, which is a town a couple hours from Boulder, he had an article in Thrasher, like a really shitty article called Homegrown Homeboys. It was just shitty photos of like Jake used to really like that, like just like full trash, just garbage photos with dumb captions and stuff. (laughs) So I, I met the guy. I was like, how did you do that? Like, how did you get an article in Thrasher? And he goes, I just called him. So I was like, okay. OK. So I called the number in the magazine and I asked to talk to Jake and they put me on the phone with him. And I was like, can I do a Colorado article? And he's like, yeah. OK. And That's
2: I didn't simple. know how to do <laughs> anything.
1: So I remember I go, uh, what kind of film should I use? And he's like, slide <laughs> film. And I'm like, shit. OK. And that was the conversation.
0: <laughs> that, that and was so it, a few yeah. months
1: later, I put my thing together and I sent it in and they ran it. OK. OK. And so that was, uh, I had my first article run, I think in 1993. Okay.
0: Thrasher. Yeah. I read somewhere that you also crossed paths, I think while you were in college with, uh, Jeff Tremaine from Big Brother.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So they came to town. They came to like, again, skating was so small. It's like they showed up, they were at the skate park and Uh it was, uh, Jeff Tremaine and Sean Cliver. It was the Big Brother staff basically. Right. Yeah. And, uh, Mike Ballard, the photographer. And so they showed up and we're like, fuck.
3: Mm -hmm. And so
1: we're like, they took pictures of me and my friends at the skate park. And uh, that was super cool. And then like, yeah, just got to talk to them. So it was like at the time, like, you know, you have that feeling where it's like, you realize like you make a connection where you're like, oh, these are just regular people. Mm -hmm. And that's how it felt with that. And that's also like, Big Brother magazine, too, was very influential to me in that way because it was so much like a shitty zine (laughs) and it just had it and it was heavy on jokes and just dumb shit. And that's kind of what I liked, you know.
3: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: So, yeah. So I talked to them, but nothing came of it. But it was just like, oh, I met the guys. They took pictures of me and my friends. It just kind of made like, oh, this situation is real. Like these are just this is doable.
0: Yeah, I can do this. And that was like
1: that was a big leap just to know like oh okay like you don't you know you don't know especially back then when you couldn't see anything you didn't know how shit worked
0: right right
1: yeah dude you could like learning how to skate shoot skate photos was fucking a nightmare (laughs) for me like it took me it's I'm still learning but it took me forever because you're learning on film you have no idea what even lenses to get like the only way you know is if you talk to Grant Britain
3: like <laughs> yeah
1: you go to the camera store and it's like some dipshit wedding photographer giving you advice right, yeah and you're like this well this ain't it <laughs> and you have no money either so it's just like dude it was like every everything was a struggle but not really a you know it wasn't bad but it was like everything was a struggle at the same time it's funny mm-hmm. that it was like oh okay so yeah <laughs> i met those guys and i would just make my uh shitty skate zines and try to get better, and then I had that thing run in, in uh, Thrasher, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and yeah, the Colorado so was, article. Yeah, that was super cool.
0: Mm-hmm. So you started working with them after that article. How how long no, did it take until you no. fully got on staff?
1: Uh, it took a long took a long time. That was in '93, and I was I had to finish school, I finished in '96,
3: I think. Okay. So
1: yeah, I don't know. I would try to get stuff run, but like. I didn't have access to very good skaters. Like, the skaters in my town were totally ripping or whatever, but like, it's hard. It was even back then, it was hard. So, like, I got a couple little things run here and there, mm-hmm. um, but it was hard because I wasn't traveling around. And then, um, Jason, my friend Jason Ferris, and some people will know Jason Ferris, he was on Real for a little while, and then he was the Spitfire, I think, Thunder Spitfire team manager for several years. Okay. He was in. Colorado the same time I was him and his buddy Texas Dan came out from Kansas Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: uh, lived like in part of the crew this really small scene like skating was so dead in the early 90s that like different people like banded together around like nothing just to be able to skate so Colorado was super cool in that way because like all these old old guys from Cedar Crest on the East Coast moved out and then like Mike Frazier would come through and skate the vert ramp like Uh it was like skating was like pretty small but you felt like oh like I there was a time where I felt like I've met every skater my age which was not true (laughs) but that's what it felt like because you see the same people for so long like I met you when I was 13 now I'm 25 and here you are again and it's (laughs) like there's and there was this gap too where there was no children there was no little kids at all Mm -hmm. like everybody was like the same age and then there was no new kids so (laughs) anyway I would just try to do this stuff so Jason Ferris came out And then he was like, he wanted to go to California Mm -hmm. and try to be sponsored and do that stuff. And then Scott Bourne Black Arm came out and he was coming through town. So I was like, oh, okay, well, I knew, you know, I got to shoot, you know, this guy was sponsored. So like, maybe I could shoot photos of him. So I did some very, very shabby trips with those guys, which were totally fun, but totally stupid. And, (laughs) um. And then I would try to get that stuff in the magazine. I got a couple things here and there, but Jake was pretty much just being nice. Like he would run some stuff, but it wasn't very good. And then Jake said, so I would talk, you know, I didn't talk to him every day. I would just try to get, I was like a geek. I just try to get him on the phone, like when I could. Yeah. And, uh, and then, oh, here's a funny one. I went to Burnside. So two summers, I worked in Oregon with my friends, and we went to Burnside when it was very in the very early days. And we went there, and Jake and Mickey showed up. I think, Mm -hmm. and maybe Coco. And I went up to Jake, and I'd already had all this stuff, and I talked to him on the phone all these times. And I was like, "Hey, Jake, it's me, it's Mike Burnett." And he's like, "Like nobody was home." He shook my hand and just like moved (laughs) off. (laughs) I was like, "Okay, like I'm not going to connect with him here." But anyway, so I tried to get all this shit run. Then he finally called me up. He's like, hey, they need somebody in the sales department. Do you want to work sales at the MAG? And I was like, fuck no. I don't want to do that. (laughs) Which was like, looking back, I was like, I had nothing going on. I don't know why I said no. But I was like, nah, I don't want to do that. But I did not want to do that. Okay. And then a little while after that, he said, hey, if you move to Southern California, we'll put you on a retainer. Okay. So I was like, Okay. We were like we need a photographer in Southern California. So the idea was that I was a photographer and I had to move to like LA, San Diego. So that's right. what I did. Yeah.
0: Because the magazine San Francisco.
1: The magazine was was in San Francisco and they hadn't had a guy on staff down south for a few years.
0: Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. So you were working in the as the like SoCal guy basically as as you said? Yeah. And so then you became the editor at large, kind of like you were doing a lot of different things like f- yeah. photography, of course, but also articles here and there. I
1: always did. I I never was just like a photo jock. Like I always right. was doing articles. That's what I like to do. Okay. So like I, I was always like I had a separate I wasn't just in the photographer list. I, he always gave me these funny titles. And I would have funny titles in the masthead and they changed over time. Here's the thing. We don't have any meetings at Thrasher. We still don't. Like there's no Mm -hmm. meetings. There was no like, hey, everybody, like never. It was just all just like, I guess we'll figure this out. So like, uh, so I would just do more and more and more and more. Like I wanted to do stuff. All I wanted to do was work on the magazine and come up with ideas and like do shit. Like that's what I like to do. That's what I still like to do. So, yeah, I was mm-hmm. always doing stuff, and then, you know, I'd pitch different, like, department ideas and different, you know, like, there's a bunch of, bunch of shit at the ma- in the magazine that, like, oh, that was, you know, I, I kicked that off or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, I can't remember what year this was. Luke Ogden was the photo editor, and he left, and then they just didn't replace him. But mm-hmm. I was kind of already doing some of that stuff. But, right. again, we didn't have a meeting that said, you're the photo e-, like nothing so i but i was already kind of picking out a lot of the photos so that was just like okay and then like you know we did king of the road in 2003 so that was like totally like that was all me like hey guys i got a dumb idea you know so it's like (laughs) i was always adding shit on yeah because i like to like there was never like hey you need to step it up it was like hey what about this hey what about this what if we did that you know like that's just kind of my personality so yeah so anyway I've been doing the same kind of shit that I'm doing now, fuck, maybe 20 years, 15 to 20 years. But there was never like a meeting. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. But yeah, like, it's just like, you know, and a lot of it before was I would get super bummed when they would fuck shit up, like the guys in the office, because like, you have to also imagine I didn't see the magazine early on. Mm -hmm. And so I would be like, I would see it when I fucking came in the mail, like, oh, shit. And there'd oh, be yeah. like these fuck ups and these errors by the dudes in the office sometimes. And I would just get livid because like I was just trying to like make the magazine as good as I could. And it was like they'd fuck up somebody's name. A lot of times this is funny, but not funny at the time. Jake would clown people in the captions a lot.
2: Yeah. yeah,
1: That was the thing he enjoyed doing. So he'd be like, <laughs> I was working with this guy. We went, we got this big trick and we're ever so hyped. And got the photo. The photo turned out sick. I'd put it in there. And then Jake would insult the dude in the caption. <laughs> Which is a, wow. uh, there's a certain charm to that. But uh, at the time, so basically I would bug the shit out of everybody. Like, what are you doing? Let me see it. Can I see it? Can I see it? Can I see it? And for a second, they would print them out and mail them to me. Like okay, fucking out of the inkjet printer. Like here. And I'd mark them up and mail them back. But then the digital process caught up. Pretty soon, and then I was looking at PDFs. Right. I don't remember. That's the other thing. I don't remember the first time I got a fucking PDF.
2: Yeah, well, yeah. But now
1: they're like the backbone of my life—is looking right. at fucking PDFs all day. So yeah, it's a very gradual, gradual, natural, organic, as you young people would say. <laughs> very fucking organic process to do what I'm doing now.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so when Jake uh, passed away in 2019, that's when you. Uh, became the editor-in-chief right that like did you have a meeting at that point that kind of we did not have no we never had meetings <laughs>
1: there's no meeting dude so it's fully horrible devastating still yeah, is of course an incredible bummer but work-wise it there was no change
0: okay you are already in that seat kind of
1: yeah no there's no there's absolutely on the paper the paper process of making the magazine there was absolutely no change okay i mean there's a huge fucking hole left in the organization when you lose somebody like the people that we've lost yeah
2: yeah.
0: but
1: day to day (laughs) me at the desk it's exactly the same
0: okay yeah
1: and there was no meeting
0: you must have gotten this question a lot throughout other interviews you've done, but uh, I just wanted to ask you like um, if you had maybe one a trick that comes to mind as like something that's like the gnarliest thing that you've witnessed uh, as a photographer. Um, one thing that came to mind for me is like the the Ali Jaws did in Lyon in France uh, in 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you took the picture from above the spot. Uh-huh. So that's one thing that came to mind. And also the Dane Berman 50-50 in, in Philly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's plenty of other ones, of course, but, like, if, if you had to pick just one kind of gnarliest session or trick that comes to mind, what would it be?
1: I think probably that Dane Berman thing. Oh, yeah? Because, like, you kind of knew what Jaws could do. Mm-hmm. Like, you knew that he could splat like that. Mm-hmm. So, Jaws was a way, way more of an... A- we went there twice. We right. flew to France twice. Because
0: he fucked up his knee the first time, right?
1: Yeah, he did the fucking splits and yeah. tore something in his knee. And then we went back. So that was like, but like, can Jaws take the plummet? You're like, yeah, he could do that. Yeah. He could do it all day. You know, he's probably not going to hit his head. You know, (laughs) like you're like, okay. The Dane Berman one was a lot more nerve wracking. Mm. And again, I mean, he could have gone over the side. I didn't really think he would. But um, we got the same thing that we flew there just for that trick, which is just, that's just super nerve wracking. (laughs) Yeah. And then we got kicked out in the first 45 seconds. Oh, wow. By the security. So we're like, fuck, all right. But they were setting up some sort of event there at Muni. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so the guys were either distracted or just didn't really give a shit about kicking us out. And then he tried it for like an hour and a half. Oh, like wow. two hours he just couldn't roll he couldn't stand back up, like he rode off the end, yeah, yeah yeah, but he never he never missed the grind, he never almost went over the side, so it was like you get kind of comfortable, but it was just very it's like it was very tense mm. it was a very tense feeling, you really, really wanted him to do it, yeah, and I don't know, it was like the traffic, there was a bunch of people, it was obviously very dangerous. So that one was that one was very exciting. That was yeah, that was fucked.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. R- I remember seeing the My War on it, it was pretty sick, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that was super cool. So I was very very fortunate to get invited to go shoot that. That was really cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you mentioned King of the Road a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. We can't get too much in detail about all all that happened. Of course, it happened for numerous uh, years, mm-hmm. but uh, you said it started in 2003, and I believe it stopped uh, not long before COVID, maybe a year or two before COVID.
1: Um, I think the last, fuck, I think the last season aired 2018, but we shot it in 2017.
0: Okay and so i also saw that for some reason i can't remember why but there weren't any uh king of the roads in 2008 and 2009 and i was just wondering yeah why was that
1: i just got burnt it's a lot of work
0: oh yeah and like i said a lot of
1: it is like it's not like we have a meeting and it's like hey good news here's your king of the road like production team it's just me being a maniac going and then we can do this and then we do Mm
3: -hmm. you know it's like (laughs)
1: yeah i just got burnt it's a lot it's a lot so yeah we took a break then and i guess we're taking a break now we'll 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 be back okay it's just like having done it a lot now i kind of know like what i would like to do and at what level and also like being realistic about not killing myself it's just it's a lot oh yeah in the years (laughs) the years of the tv show were like I had three full-time jobs. Like, it was gnarly. I'm sure. uh, Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. most The most work and the most stressed I've ever been in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So, but maybe next year.
0: (laughs) Yeah, okay. Maybe in the future. Okay.
1: Yeah, but nothing happened. That was just like, it was basically like, if I wanted to do it, I could have done it those years too. But I was just like, just, yeah, just burnt.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was wondering if the fact that it went to Viceland might have changed, uh, basically, maybe taken out the fun out of it, you know? Did it change anything for you or was it kind of the same or?
1: No, it was cool. I, I didn't take the fun out of it. It was just a lot more responsibility. Right. And uh, it was like, but no, we got to do all the stuff that I always wanted to do if we had enough money. Okay. Basically, we had, en- we had enough people to cover it properly. That was the big thing. We had professional editors. That was another big thing. But dude, like we flew everyone to Hawaii and yeah. had a half pipe boat like we did. <laughs>
0: yeah. It was
1: like, it was awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's sick.
1: Yeah, no, it was super cool. It's like, that's what it's like. Oh, if we could think if we could do whatever we wanted, it was it wasn't there, but it was closer than we've ever been. Mm. But no, it was stressful. Like I was I had, you know, I'm dealing with the immediate TV people I with, dealt with were super cool, but like you're dealing with like a big ass business. They're putting millions of dollars into it. Yeah. And it's, it's just a different, it's a different thing than like me and Jake fucking yucking it up about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah
0: for sure. Yeah. So yeah, maybe it will come back in the future then. Okay. We'll see.
1: Yeah, I think it will. It'll come back in some form. It's got a, whoo.
0: I feel like some other events today kind of drew some inspiration from it. Like when I see the Dime Glory challenge or Or even stuff that happens at Copenhagen Open and stuff. Uh, I feel like a lot of events around the world have uh, drawn some inspiration from those uh, King of the Road. Yeah, uh,
1: but at the same time, King of the Road drew inspiration from skate history. So it's like, it's a a circle. uh So like, there's a lot of stuff. But we would would always at least, we'd make that part of the story. Like, hey, today we're inspired by this guy. So we're going to try this trick. Yeah. Whereas like... There's a whole YouTube industry of just kind of riffing on shit we already did on King of the Road 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which yeah. is fine, but it's like for these old nerds who've reinvented themselves as YouTubers, like, <laughs> dude, it, you know, just admit where you got it from. Don't pretend like you just invented the fucking gone circle board. <laughs> and for the d- young dipshits who don't know any better, like, hey, go for it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but no we were always inspired by you know in- inspiration is a uh ecosystem it doesn't go one way
0: yeah yeah yeah, of course you know?
1: so but yeah we did a lot we it's almost to that simpsons did it kind of phase yeah exactly you go, go flip through it we did a lot of shit already that's right
0: yeah yeah, yeah for sure we'll see if it if it comes back it'll come back so tell me a little bit about SOTY. Uh We're recording this in early December, uh, so by the time uh-huh. this interview comes out, probably the news of the new Sodi will be out. Yeah. And uh, I assume you're not going to tell me who it is, and that's fine, but... No. <laughs> but uh, I was just curious, like, can you tell me a bit about how this uh, whole process comes into play and, like, how early in the year does it uh, kind of uh, begin with the brands and all the skaters that try to aim for, for sodi Like, um...
1: Yeah, I don't know. There's not much collusion. Well, here, here's the other thing. Skater of the Year is also an evolving thing. It's like you can't really compare like 92 to 2008 to today. Right, of course. Like everything changes. So all I can, you know, we're pretty, we keep it as a black box for the most part. Um, but what I can, can tell you is that we're big fans of skating. Mm-hmm. We are working on cool projects with skaters always. Obviously, there's been this thing that's been over the last few years where there's been this like season at the in the end of the year where everyone's trying to get their shit in. Right. I wouldn't say that we're like I don't know. We don't we don't sit around and go no no bro wait till November. Like we have we put stuff out all year long. Yeah, yeah, of course. (laughs) So it's like, and we also just you'll never no one's ever said if you do this you'll get skater of the year. Like yeah, there's not a recipe. There's no plan. There's no meetings. There's it's there's no like. So um, it's funny because people think they know all these different things, but if you actually look at it, if you actually, a lot of people's ideas of that there's this formula or there's some pattern or there's some trick or whatever, it's like, I don't know, maybe, but I mean, look, look at the history. Yeah. So it's like- It's
0: a diverse uh, group of skaters. That yeah. A are, lot of, yeah. yeah.
1: And the reason why this person got it or this person didn't get it or whatever, it's like, again, all over the place. Yeah. But ultimately, it's like we're a skate magazine giving out an award to our the skater we like the best that year. It's all opinion.
0: Of course. Yeah, yeah,
1: All awards are opinion-based unless it's a race. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, that's all it is.
0: Maybe what's changed a bit is, uh, at least from my perception, is uh, when I was younger, uh, I feel like the skater of the year was kind of a skater that had had a good year or something and now it's like people that are really really trying to get it you know like when you see louis and tyshawn and uh nija and all these guys that are putting parts uh out especially at this time of the year they're definitely mm-hmm. like aiming for it whereas uh maybe 10 15 years ago i guess the people weren't Really thinking about it, they were just skating and just having fun, and and out of nowhere they would get skater of the year. I guess you know. At least that was my yeah, perception. Yeah, I think of
1: it. it's been I think it's been all over the place. Yeah, and then I think there's been years where it's been real crowded at the end of the year, mm-hmm. and then there's been other years where it hasn't been as crowded. So yeah, and it, you know you could ask them if they're like trying to get skater of the year. I think Taishan's the only one who says I am trying
0: to get skater yeah, of the year. That's true. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't know. You can't really control what other people do. I don't know. I like seeing exciting skating. Oh, yeah. It's fun to watch the,
0: all the videos come in. And especially, like, uh, these last few years, the level is going crazy. Like, last year, Mark Suchu put out, like, I don't know, five parts or something, maybe more. I don't remember. but uh, Dude, it's and, insane. Uh, the level of and skating And you think, and like, it can't
1: get any crazier, and it's, like... Yeah. Ah, Every year it's, it, it, dude, the bar is What a time to be alive, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, can you believe that we get to be alive right now and get to see all this stuff? It's incredible.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is kind of a random question, but uh, I just uh, was wondering, like, what were your thoughts on like, the sort of mainstreamization of the brand Thrasher? Uh, I'm asking this because like, I used to work in a wine bar. I was like a, like a sommelier kind of. And uh, my boss came to work one day. That was like four or five years ago and he came to work and he was wearing wearing a thrasher hoodie and at that point i, I didn't see many people wearing thrasher uh, clothes or t-shirts and stuff so so i was like oh like uh did you use to skate or something like uh and he's like no no my girlfriend uh, like got this for me at whatever shop or something and i was like wow okay like thrasher uh, is uh is at this stage where people are wearing it and they don't know what it is because he had no idea i was like oh it's a very famous American, you know, core skate magazine. And he's like, oh, okay, like whatever, you know. And and, uh, I was just wondering like, what what are your thoughts on that of Thrasher becoming this kind of more mainstream brand at this point? Well, I don't know.
1: I I feel like people want to be cool. Kids want to be cool and they decide different things are cool Mm -hmm. and how they decide that is sometimes a mystery You know, I have no insight into the world of fashion. So I guess it's just like, you know, one thing I think about is like, I'm sure the Rolling Stones have sold a lot more t-shirts than records. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who bought those lips and they've never heard the song. And I guess maybe that's what it is. It's just been thrashers been out here for 40 years doing cool shit. And then people decided that they liked that. Right. I don't know. It's like we didn't. We didn't change anything that we did. Yeah, you didn't, we didn't plan this. We didn't chase yeah. it. We didn't like reinvent like, okay, now we're going to do like, oh you fuck, you like the shirt? Like it's weird, but like, I don't know. As you get older, you're just like, I don't know. I wanted to be cool. <laughs> People want to be cool.
2: Yeah.
1: They think that's cool. Maybe next year they they something else, for sure. Something else is going to be cool. Mm. So, but I would like to think, and this could be totally delusional, is that they They know that even if they not everybody knows, but that behind it is something that's really cool and authentic and has a lot of energy and heart to it. And just like those fuck Exile on Main Street's a hell of an album, Mm
3: -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: but it's not everybody's going to buy it and listen to it. So it's just like from that perspective, like I'm just like, you know, when I was a kid, if you saw if I saw a girl with vans on. Yeah, I was losing my mind. I was like, holy shit, I got to meet this girl.
0: Okay, okay. Because
1: no normal girl would wear vans.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And that was
1: a sign that man, she's cool. Maybe she's in a band. Maybe she knows about skating. Okay. So it's just like people just want to be cool. Yeah. And like yeah, yeah. you can't control it, you know?
0: Yeah, it's become a cultural phenomenon kind of
1: Yeah. And if if anything, like if I feel like I've gone to a lot of skate shops and they've said like, yeah, the Thrasher Gear helped us get through that last year. And my boss, Tony, does stuff nonstop with shops right now. Like, we have a free sticker sheet for just skate shops in the new mag that's out right now. Okay. And we're going to continue to do them. And it's just like, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think of, like, you know, what are you going to do?
0: Yeah, it's out of your control let's at this stop, point. Yeah.
1: cut them off. No more shirts. <laughs> yeah. The kooks might wear them. <laughs> you know, they're not going to like it. The random people aren't going to like them forever
2: mm-hmm. yeah that's, they'll that's move true. on
1: to yeah. move on to whatever else but like i like them i'm gonna still wear them
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: you know but it, yeah it's a trip man it's a trip but like any trend is a trip let's uh, you could you could pick any fucking trend in the in the world or in skateboarding and go what the fuck is this <laughs> you're like why are they doing this all of a sudden They're like i ah, fuck if I, fuck if i know kids just like it yeah you know like when you're a kid remember why you pick something out i like it i don't know i just like it (laughs) i like that skull yeah yeah, yeah. looks (laughs) looks cool i feel cool (laughs) i went to school and i felt cool Mm -hmm. so i am 100 percent behind kids feeling cool Yeah,
0: yeah yeah
1: everyone deserves to feel cool and if buying a thrasher shirt makes you feel cool that day then please please feel cool
0: all right so i also was wondering like um Years ago, like uh, there were other mags in business, basically, there was Transworld, that was like your main competitor. And today it feels like Thrasher is like the only kind of left uh, American skate mag. I mean, there there's skate mags all over the world, but most of them today are digital. Not many mags are still doing print. So I was just wondering, like, what were your thoughts on the future of print for Thrasher? Do you think there will always be like, maybe not always, but at least in the next five years or something? Do you feel like you will still keep doing the print mag? Or do you feel like at some point it will eventually die or, or stop? Or
1: No, we'll always do it. Not even five years, 20 years, 30 years. We'll always do it. Yeah.
0: Mm hmm Uh uh-huh yeah you like the idea of a a tangible magazine that you can hold i do i
1: do it's a different experience you know obviously like you have all sorts of opportunities to interact with skating these days and people are going to find it and find the ones that suit them and like that's totally fine but for somebody who wants that experience we'll be here yeah you know and uh i just know how excited people are to get in the magazine and that's important to me too so like I think as long as there's the skate, kind of skating that we grew up with, which is like skate companies and videos and tours and demos and pros and DIY and all that stuff, I think we'll have – that's who the magazine's for, you know? Like that's that's what we kind of support Yeah. as well as just like the regular skater. But like – so yeah, but it's not – Here's the thing. Like when I was a kid in my group of friends, there was like two of us that read every magazine carefully. Mm-hmm. And you know, this like there was a kid in your town that was better than most people. And he didn't even know the names of the fucking tricks.
0: Yeah, that's right? true. Yeah.
1: So people, people come at it in different ways. And so some people really want to do that and really want to nerd out. So in the grand scheme of all of skateboarding, there's, I have faith that there'll be enough people that want to do that, that will make thrasher worthwhile. But in the meantime, We're making videos, we make little documentaries, we had a TV show, we are on Instagram, we're on fucking YouTube. Mm -hmm. Like we're going to make, we're going to cover skateboarding in the Thrasher way, whatever gets invented next, you know, the mind control tablet, we're going to do it on that, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So, but but yeah, there's no danger sign that we're going to have to close shop on the mag. It's doing, it's doing really good. Cool.
0: Yeah. That's good to hear. Yeah. I read in an interview you did not too long ago with uh, Neil McDonald from North Skate Mag, he said that the, the growth for Thrasher was really in the digital stuff. So I, I was just wondering, like, it, did you mean by that that that's where you're gonna put all your efforts, kind of, and and eventually stop no, the print? But... No, I mean
1: we're definitely hiring more video guys than print guys.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah,
1: because that stuff's it takes a lot more energy and it's more time consuming. Like, right. To do the print article is a simple, much simpler process, so yeah, that's what I meant by that was like you know investing in in video production stuff, mm-hmm. making more little shows, going on more trips, doing more little funny things like and that's just that's where everything's at, right,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. The
1: magazine is fairly simple to make compared to all that goes into making a video,
0: <laughs> true, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is kind of a side question, but linked to that one is it's kind of I read this vice piece that came out a few weeks ago about social media and the title of the piece is social media is dead. Basically kind of saying that it's eventually going to in the very near future all die out kind of like uh, Instagram, Twitter, all of those social media that we were still using are kind of going to disappear. And I was wondering what were your thoughts on that? And do you think that it will impact uh, your work at all at Thrasher?
1: Yeah, I don't know. That's a, I, I didn't read that article, but I mean, there's who thought that you could kill television? And mm-hmm. television is still huge, but it's not what it used to be. Right, yeah. So I don't know. As far as just like media theory and where we're going, I don't know. But I, I think you can probably agree that we've re- entered an era of a little bit of fatigue of social media. It's too much.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It's just too much. We don't need to see it all the time. You just don't need. You don't. You maybe it's not good for your brain to have that much. It's overstimulating, and then it's like every everything is understimulating. So, you know, I find it pretty hard to believe people are going to start setting their phones down and doing something else. <laughs> yeah. Just because it's like it's basically operates like a fucking slot machine. Yeah. You know like, exactly uh, because it gives you little rewards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like it plays on not just your passive intake of things of needing to be entertained, but it's it's an interaction that plays on your emotions and your your chemicals. So yeah. I don't know, I don't know what it would be replaced by, but you already see like there's some shit where you're just like, "Do we don't need do we need to do this?" Like there's some people in our in the skate media world that we're in where you're just like, "Dude, enough." <laughs> like I don't need to see this again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know that I, I'm – maybe I'm not an average consumer because I look at a bunch of shit just for work. But, like, I think I probably am. And, in fact, I'm probably tame compared to the kids. They're probably on that thing for eight hours a day, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. That would be interesting to see. I don't know what – if not that, what? I don't know yeah, what – but we'll it seems like it. it's, yeah. like – I'm not going to say it's ruining things, but there's something to be said for, like, having to, like – there's something to be said for less is more.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And, like – You know if you if you let the people decide what they want i'm of the opinion that the people want some bullshit (laughs) you know like whatever gatekeepers i don't fucking know but like fuck a skateboarding bulldog you know like (laughs) the most popular skater right now in the world is a skateboarding bulldog
0: oh like on youtube or yeah yeah.
1: just yeah i mean what do people really like and then what do they like after that they like boobs (laughs) like men's jewelry (laughs) like i so it's like, if you're like, oh, you know, it, it is nice to get to this window and get more people involved. At the same time, if you're strictly running a numbers game, eventually it's going to come down to some like, well, they basically like pornography. <laughs> so as close as you can get to pornography, that's what they like, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that's why it's like, you got to go, no, nah, that shit's stupid. We're not doing that. We're going to do this dumb thing over here that we like.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Might as well. And yeah. I don't think <laughs> that
1: there's anything wrong with that.
0: No, no, for sure. Yeah. also just a question about uh, i saw this piece that uh, i think it's a few years ago it's called over it that was running the mag about skaters that are sober mm-hmm. there was uh like ave uh, reynolds uh, guy mariano arto i think even tyshawn was in there even though i think he just never drank uh, but yeah i was just i loved that piece and uh uh, I used to drink a lot and uh, I quit drinking three years ago and uh, that piece and listening to interviews of skaters like on the nine club that have gone sober has definitely influenced me in my decision to quit drinking. So mm-hmm. I was I was just wondering what were your thoughts on like doing pieces like that on um, like mental health, basically on taking care of yourself. Yeah. And uh, do you think you'll do more of these in, in the future?
1: Or? Yeah, that that was on purpose. <laughs> that was definitely on purpose. Yeah. Here's my, this, is, this stems from my belief that nobody likes a fucking dude on a soapbox, mm-hmm. right? Nobody likes somebody, or maybe they really do, but like, I don't think, that's not the way I think you talk to people. I'm more comfortable letting people share stories and let them share their experiences. Mm-hmm. And then that's a way for you to take or leave what you want. I don't think you can tell a kid, you can't tell kids shit. Mm-hmm. but you can give them examples and if these are skaters that they're interested in and they want to hear these stories then they can take or leave what what this person says and that to me is that's how I've approached a lot of stuff because it's not going to be like hey kids thrasher here you know what you should really think about you know what how do you write that <laughs> yeah. like, what are you going to do <laughs> yeah. so yeah that was that was an effort to share People's stories about their struggles with substance abuse and addiction and things like that. Right. And we've done, I've done several others things that are like that. They're not quite as heavy as that one. Okay. But we did uh, skaters with jobs. We did skaters in love.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I <laughs> and, remember that. And one. I just yeah. did
1: one. I just did one called uh, Down for Life. Okay. And it's this, the idea. All of them is basically you have the same set of questions. And you get to hear different people's perspectives. And that comes from skaters with jobs is, okay, how do you navigate loving being a skater and realizing that that's not probably not going to be a career path for yeah, you? Because yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. most people you're that's not going to be a job. And I think that's hard for a lot of people because we get so invested in skating. And maybe you thought you w- were going to be pro. Maybe you thought you were going to be this, you're going to be that. And a lot of it is fucking luck. <laughs> like, yeah. whether it's going to happen for you is luck and timing and like other things. So that was like, I talked to diehard skaters about their job, how they, it was basically like, you realize you weren't going to be a pro now. What <laughs> that was the story. And then we did uh skaters in love same thing. It's like, this is me trying to share things with the kids. <laughs> it's like, what's it like to have a relationship? What's it, what does that mean to meet somebody and fall in love? And how do you navigate those things? But I'm not going to write that out in a fucking rule book. I'm not going to like, it's impossible. (laughs) So I'd rather interview these people that are interesting and they're stars of skating and let them tell their stories. And you can take it or leave it. Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm. And
1: then the Down for Life was, uh, it was a skater of every decade. So we had a nine-year-old up to a 70-year-old. Okay. And we asked like the same things, but it was the same kind of things. It was like, you know, basically like, what do you love most? When were you happiest skating? It's the, it's the stuff we go through. You go through it. Like if it's hard to stay, I'm a skate rat, bro. (laughs) I'm just out there fucking grinding. (laughs) That's hard to do for your entire life and your motivations and your, those things change. And that's what that article was about. Okay. It was like, okay, here's, how does a nine-year-old see this? How does a 25 year old see this? How does a 45 year old see this? And it's all the same questions, but it's like, cause that, that's the kind of stuff I'm interested in. I'm yeah. interested in like tapping into like, basically just like, how do we live our lives and be happy and, and, you know, do what we want to do and be satisfied. And those are the bigger themes that I try to, I tiptoe around as I'm writing about cricket grinds and shit.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: So yeah, that's what that is. That was a very long answer. Yeah, again, yeah, but
0: I appreciate that. Yeah. That was
1: basically I've lost a lot of friends to drugs and alcohol and I felt like I'm like, how do I how do we talk about this? Yeah. And that was my best that was my best answer. And I'll continue to do that. And I continue to ask people these questions. And I ask people about racism and I but I just I'm not gonna be like, yo, racism is bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what do you you can't write it. Like if you write it you sound unless you're like a one of these, you know, super academics, they can probably pull it off. I can't, I can't do that. And I, but I want to talk about these things. So I let other people explain what they've been through and what they've learned. And that's valuable to me.
0: Absolutely. I particularly appreciated that piece. Yeah, it was very, because like, I, I guess if, uh, if a 15 year old kid reads that, uh, Tyshawn is sober, for example, I feel like, uh, that could be a big influence, you know, to know that the coolest skater out there doesn't drink, you know, and uh, you don't need 100%. to drink to be cool and to be an amazing skateboarder
1: and that's the thing is like there's no like i don't know like the skateboarding's sloppy, skateboarding's like a messy endeavor, and there's like i don't think you should pass judgment on people, and like I just think people are people are learning, people are figuring it out, so it's like because you tell a story of Taishan, that doesn't, doesn't mean in the next article, there can't be some guy doing a beer bong.
2: Yeah, of this course. Is just, yeah, this yeah. is
1: it. This is like life and I don't think, I think to like overly sanitize it is just like, I don't know, like, dude, have you seen what the kids can see on the internet these days?
0: Yeah, no, true. Yeah. All right, so we're gonna wrap it up pretty soon. I have a, just some like friends questions that I'm gonna surprise you with in a, in a second. Okay. I was just wondering, like you said earlier that when you were in the middle of King of the road you were you basically kind of uh, got burnt out basically by uh, all the work you were doing and uh, and yeah. your your Instagram handle is actually burnout and uh, <laughs> I, I was wondering like how how do you stay sane basically to do everything that you do because I'm sure it's uh, it must be quite stressful at times to be editor-in chief of uh, of Thrasher I mean it's, it must be a lot of responsibilities and I, you've been doing it for a long time so you probably yeah. just grew into the role but uh yeah How, what do you do like on a day-to-day basis to keep saying like do you do you exercise do you eat healthy like what, what are your secrets to keep a stable life basically
1: yeah i don't know i kind of bounce back and forth between those things yeah i i uh i try to go skate that's a that's a big one Yep. Yeah, yeah try to roll around with some friends and laugh i talk on the phone every day with some close friends and just shoot the shit because i work from home Right. Yeah. I've never worked in the Thrasher office. I'm in a garage. I've done 25 years in a garage. By <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So like remote working was nothing to me. I've always work. I've always done this. So yeah, I talk to friends, go do stuff. But dude, I I do get burnt out. I get burnt out all the time. I get frustrated all the time. Like it's just there's I don't I'm not like a some perfect specimen of like of work life balance. I work a fucking lot.
0: I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: I work every day of the week, and I always have. Damn. So, yeah, that's what I do. And if you see me in L.A., I drove two hours there, and I'm going to drive two hours back. So it's like, I'm either in, yeah, it's gnarly. I don't know, but uh, I try to, I drink these gross smoothies I make sometimes. (laughs) Okay. Try to (laughs) to
0: stay healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have you have kids, right? So I I, yeah. I guess also having a family kind of changes your sense of priorities and and maybe 100%. you have a, a, yeah. a different perspective on thrashing and work uh, once you have a family. I, I guess. Yeah.
1: No. For sure. You can't. You can't blow it when you have kids.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: You have. There's things you have to do to not blow it, and you can't be so selfish, and you you've got to like think about like, what should
0: I be doing right now? Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. And mostly you should be not blowing it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's wrap it up with the friends questions. So I have have a bunch, but uh, they're they're all pretty fast. So we can go through them quickly. Sure, I'll be brief. Okay, so I have just one audio one I'm going to have you listen to and the other ones I'm going to read them out. All right, let's do this one. Hey Burnett, this is Luca Beaufort. What was your three best moments at Thrasher since you started with them? Ooh, three best moments at yeah. Thrasher.
1: I'm trying to think of some good ones. Let's see. One of them was uh, when we got to Hawaii on King of the Road. Mm-hmm. And Jake and I were out on the, uh, out on the dock looking at the half pipe boat and we're like, here, we did it. Here it is. <laughs> yeah. And that was just the idea that like, there's so many, you have these dumb ideas you write down and you just do stuff and try and try and try, and then next thing you know, like these things become real.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That must have been a cool moment. Yeah, <laughs> that
1: was super cool. Um, another great moment was, I guess, just when I got the job was so exciting to me mm-hmm. to have a big to have a break. You get a break, you get a chance, and I realized like how what a miracle that that happened. Mm-hmm. So that was that was really big. Was just to. To like have that moment
2: yeah
1: i'm trying to think of but my favorite moments are basically when we're all together and something we've created is going crazy and going off and all you can do is just stand back and laugh <laughs> at how big it is yeah and like how crazy it is and it's just like dude i'm sorry sorry lucas i don't have a final one
0: no oh, that's fine that's already pretty pretty cool yeah
1: I remember once when we were in uh, Scotland and uh, we were staying at somebody's house and Peastone had gone home with some girl uh-huh. and he barreled into the, the flat at like six in the morning and was just like a fucking polar bear <laughs> and was just charging around like it was like having a bear in the, in the place. Okay. And he was just charging around and then he was out. <laughs> Flat on his back on the on the ground, on the floor, just snoring. And then we realized, wow. like, he w- he had the train tickets. He was the only one who knew how to go to get on the train. Oh, shit. Yeah. So we woke him up. we like, we got to get the train. And he woke up, and he's laughing. And then he just starts swinging at us.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and we somehow got to the train, and we get on the train, and there's a video footage of us looking over at him. And he's just red-faced going, ah! <laughs>
0: <laughs> and wow. that was just fucking ridiculous. I like that.
1: There's a million of those, though.
0: Oh, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty cool. Yeah. one. This next one is from Eric Swisher from uh, Chromeball. Okay. So he said, Ask him about the explosion of independent skate media that the internet has brought in the last decade or so with the rise of outlets like Jenkins and Quartersnacks. What's the balance of supporting up-and-coming DIY voices, like Beyond Boards, versus when these platforms become outright competition for the mag? Um, well,
1: I think I like people that are making stuff, like people who are actually like creating, cause it, it takes a lot of effort to actually create material. Mm-hmm. So like the outlets that are like, you know, they're about their crew, they're about their scene, they're, they're covering skating in their way. I think that's really cool. I'm not as excited about um punditry, which basically means people that just take things and basically repackage or talk shit about stuff. Because, like, if you've gone, if you've made all this effort, if you've gone to these spots to get these tricks, to film these clips, it, it means something. Like you have a relationship with these skaters. Mm-hmm. Like these aren't pop stars that you just like pick apart. So I think that. You have a different level of engagement and respect when you actually work on things and make things versus just over on the side, snickering, mm-hmm. talking shit, yeah. uh, repackaging, stealing. So I think there's some that are doing really cool, interesting thing and have, a, have their own voice. And I think those will probably stick around. And I think the ones that are just kind of recycling different ideas, listicles, who aren't actually making anything, you know, I don't know that they'll stick around quite as much. I think they'll have a lot of competition from other kind of like clickbaity type things. Mm. So I don't know. I think people should do what they want though. Yeah. Yeah. I think nobody, nobody, nobody's got the rule book about what skateboarding should be and what you should do. So you should do what you want to do. And it doesn't matter what I think or what Thrasher says you should, yeah, you should do what you want to do, but Come on, don't be lazy about it. Make a good effort. Mm. Like, actually make some shit. Don't just steal GIFs from videos other people made and then turn it into your little funny jive stew or whatever you got going.
0: All right, this next one is from Joel Curtis from the UK. Mm -hmm. He asked, what is your favorite UK skate photo or tour memory? Do you have something that comes to mind?
1: Uh, Let me think. I haven't been there that much. Honestly, it was that same, this is the UK, this isn't London, but uh, when we went to one of my first trips out of the country, we went to Scotland with Peastone right, and Peastone yep. knew people all over. So I went on a trip. So all, the only way I got to go on trips for like the first 10 years of Thrasher, me working there was if an advertiser paid for me to go. And so I would go to the content. I would go. So in this case, I, two summers in a row, I went on a tour that somebody paid for like okay. to, for, to do an article. And then I would just go and find where the contests were. And I had no money, no credit card, no hotel. And I would just cruise around. And uh, so that was one of the first summers. So I went, met up with Preston. We went to Marseille. We went to Germany. And then we went to Scotland to uh, Glasgow mm-hmm. or Edinburgh, both maybe. But yeah, that was super duper fun. Pre cell phone, riding the trains. We went to uh, Livingston, which is a famous uh, skate park in Scotland. Mm-hmm. And we met uh, we met Stu Graham and oh, Ben yeah. Laden and those guys when they were little, when they were younger teenagers. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just was so funny and so exotic. And going with Preston was such a gas. And it was just like. I love it. I'm an Anglophile. I love English comedy and, and movies oh, and yeah. music. Mm-hmm. So like it's a treat for me to get to go anytime. I'll, I'll go anytime. So that was probably, that was probably my favorite. I did. We also had a really fun chocolate tour. Oh, where yeah. We went to UK and France many years ago. Mm-hmm. That one was super fun too. But yeah, I'll go back anytime.
0: All right. Uh, this next one is Michael Sieben from uh, Thrasher okay. as well. So he said, what's the best piece of advice or scorn you ever received from Phelps? Um, let's see. I got plenty of scorn.
1: You know, one thing he said, and this was, this is kind of a cop-out, but it's also very true. It's basically like he said the mag comes out every month. Mm-hmm. And this would – he'd say this when I would get super bummed about something, some error, some diss, especially in the early days. Right. He's like, dude, the mag comes out every month. And there's other, like, common advice is basically – I heard this even on a podcast the other day with Rachel Maddow. And it was basically even the best show you had, the best issue you make, you have to – you know, it's like it only lasts – like you're only on top for so long. Like there's,
2: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. It's
1: basically you got to roll with the punches – you always have an, a chance at redemption. You always have right. a chance to correct your mistakes. You always have a chance to do it better. And honestly, like after you've done things of so many times, it applies to everything in life, too. You're just like, well, fuck, I blew that.
3: Mm-hmm. Like
1: even like personal relationships. You're just like, man, I fucked that up. Well, what am I going to do next time?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And
1: having to put out a magazine every month is like, that's a good lesson. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's impossible not to fuck up.
0: Exactly. It's impossible
1: yeah, yeah. not to make errors. So knowing that just like, yeah, the mag comes out every month. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jake was pretty, pretty kind with me. He could be, vi- he would be super gnarly with some people. He was never like that with me. But one low point was we'd somehow gotten 20 grand cash for a King of the Road prize. Right. Yeah. And uh, before we had announced the winner. So there's a big crowd. And we're up there like, okay, in third place. And Jake just ran up and grabbed the $20,000 and threw it all in the audience. <laughs> it's like, wow. taxi, that was it. <laughs> Except for maybe the three grand he had in his own pocket.
3: Yeah. So that was probably Same. a
1: low point. Okay, wait, never mind. You guys aren't getting anything. What? Where's our prize money? There it goes. <laughs> and there it goes.
0: That's amazing. Was that caught on film or? Yeah. I need, was, to, I, I need don't to find footage of this
1: yeah. it was in las vegas
0: <laughs> okay I'll, I'll try to track it down that's amazing yeah.
1: that was a low point but it's still a great story <laughs> yeah it is it's is. It's a cool one <laughs> i was a little disappointed at the time but it's a great story now
0: all right this one is from jamie owens from uh, closer and okay. the trans world and everything he said what's been the most fun sotie surprise moment you've been a part of uh the ave one with cody dressed up was pretty good yeah, uh, I just watched it again. Uh, he, he dressed up as the uh, like the the Sodi statue, right?
1: Yeah, we dressed up. Uh, we dressed Cody Green up as the statue. I think right. that was my favorite because that was the first time we did that. Mm-hmm. And Cody just looks so much like the statue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that one was like just because it was like over the top. I think that was the first time we employed body makeup <laughs> in, a, <laughs> in a surprise. That was great. So like. I don't know that we'll be able to hit – got ideas, but I don't know that it'll get as good as that at that time. And also because it's funny because Anthony Van England is just like – he's like a Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones character. So when you see him, you're just like – it's way funnier when funny things happen to him. He's kind of like a lovable grouch.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, Okay, I see. Yeah, I could see Like if he was like
1: all fired up, like, yeah, but just to see him like –
0: like what he He's, the he's, he's is. a good, he's
1: a good, uh, a good recipient for something like that. You yeah, know yeah, I mean?
0: yeah, yeah. It made sense for him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and for Cody because
1: Cody is just like such great. He's such a dear friend, but he's such great comic relief for that crew. Just mm-hmm. like fucking Cody. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome.
0: All right, uh, I just have a few last ones. Uh, I'll go through them sure. quickly. All right, this one's from Mike Sinclair. So he said. As Burnett, what he thought David Lee Roth sang in Panama and what, oh, became, yeah. <laughs> and what became of what he thought he sang.
1: <laughs> so are you familiar with this song? No. Did he, Panama he, make it over? No, I, I haven't. No. Okay, so there's like a little bit of a breakdown in the middle of the song. Okay. And he's like, uh, and for the record, my friend Tyler thought they said this. It's like a misheard lyric, you know, those things. Right, yeah. But basically there's this breakdown... And it's like the sultry part of the song, and he goes, "We're running a little bit hot tonight." It's like he's driving in his car. I can barely see the road from the heat coming on. Then he goes, "What he says is, reach down between my legs, ease the seat back." I don't know exactly what that means, but Tyler, as a kid, thought he said, "Reach down between my legs." ease the seed bag <laughs> oh, wow. and he thought as a kid he's like what is that he's like you know you're trying to figure out like sex lingo he's like yeah he's <laughs> the seed bag what is he doing so f- basically for my entire adult life we've been talking about the seed bag and easing of the seed and the easing therein of the seed bag <laughs> fucking stupid but yeah ease the seed bag so sometimes, like, yeah, when you really just need to relax, you are just like fucking just ease that shit. Just ease the seed bag. It's <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> so dumb. This is the kind of stuff me and Mike Sinclair talk about.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Profound conversations, <laughs> right there. Yeah. <laughs> this is a cool.
1: This is a very typical fucking conversation starter. All
0: right. This one is from Aaron Mesa. Uh, Yep. He said, if you can discover a tape of substantial, never seen before footage of any pro and from any era, who would it be? Dude, we talk
1: about that. This is a very typical Aaron Mesa question. <laughs> uh,
0: dude, unseen footage. Any pro, any era? Yeah.
1: Well, see, there are several pros when I was a kid that you, know were the, that you knew where they were the most awesome, but they really never had videos. Okay. That's yeah. where you're just like... About this guy. You know what? It's a toss up. If we want to go way, way back, I feel like I would have been very stoked to see like somebody like Alan Losey or John Gibson in their prime. Because they were so killer, but nothing. They're only clips and contests. So I would have loved to see those guys. But then kind of more modern. I would have. I mean, you just want to see the camera on Julian Stranger. Oh, Yeah. Because he's just a camera-averse dude. Mm-hmm. And you see these little snippets. You're like, God damn it. He's so bitching. Yeah. But like, that's the guys. Like the guys who are too... They, they're not too cool. They just don't care about bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. you just want to see them. They have to be captured on tape. And that's how Grant Taylor is, except for he's, he's a pretty good sport. And okay. he's like a, a real pro. but Or like Peter Hewitt. They'll do it again for you. They don't want to. But they will... But, like, okay. those guys who are like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, don't even ask me. Don't even ask me to do that again. You have to respect that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, of you course. Know? You can't force them, of course. yeah.
1: So, yeah. So, like, way back in the day, like, Billy Ruff, Alan Losey, fucking Mike Smith, those dudes, I would love to see. John Gibson, I would love to see just some, some tapes of them. <laughs> but then, yeah, in the modern era julian stranger i don't know like who's who's the rippingest most elusive dude like i mean honestly simon banero
0: he's yeah. in that category oh, yeah. for
1: me i mean he's a pro he's out there but like the guys where you get the feeling they're doing a lot of skating when the camera's not around
0: yeah and friends, there's uh kevin rodriguez i'd love to see more footage of him yeah i'm sure he skates yeah. a lot more than what actually you see in uh in videos and stuff. soul
1: skaters can we call him that soul skaters
0: yeah 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 <laughs> Uni- unicorns
1: <laughs> yeah Sasquatch yeah that's such an Aaron Mesa question yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I thought it was uh, an interesting one yeah for sure He'll,
1: yeah okay you're, it's 83 you're at the ramp what's the first song on your mixtape that's another <laughs> fucking he loves that shit I, I do too but he really loves it
0: okay this one is from Tom, Tom K Tom Karangelov.
1: oh yeah Dr. Strangelove
0: <laughs> right he said, uh, if you could have anyone design your first pro model board, who would it be? Pick Fucking one. Fucking Pusshead. Do you know who that is? Yes. Yes. Actually, he, he said pick one and why and Pusshead <laughs> for, for Zorlac, right? Yeah. <laughs> that was one of the options. I was going to say the three were Lance Mountain for Powell, Neil Blender uh-huh. for GNS. And then do you say Pusshead for, for Zorlac?
1: I said Pusshead. That was my automatic answer.
0: Okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh,
1: yeah, Pusshead, Cliver, or Michael Seabin, of course. Mm-hmm, Those are the mm-hmm. top three. The gold standard.
3: <laughs>
1: Great. That used to be a dumb joke. Like, when somebody was ripping, you're like, bro, can I draw your first graphics?
0: <laughs> That's a cool one. All right, this one is from Patrick O'Dell. Okay. He said, I want to know what music you're jamming. Thrasher skate rock or alternative college rock? Right now? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh, dude, not skate rock. I don't know, man. I may have hit the skids. What I'm listening to is Jonathan. I don't. Is Jonathan Richmond alternative comic? Alternative skate college rock. College rock. Yeah. I don't think so. I've been listening to Jonathan Richmond.
0: Yeah, he's sick though. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I like. All right, I have just uh, a couple last ones, and then I'll okay. let you go. This one's from uh, Rob Brink so he said i'd like to know mike's take on being a photographer that often has to and or opts to write for the mag he does a lot of interviews and writes a lot of articles how does he feel about writing as someone who i believe considers himself a photographer
1: dude i have a journalism degree no i don't know (laughs) i've always just been in love with the entire process and uh i do like writing Writing's a lot harder Mm -hmm. than taking pictures But I feel like they're complimentary. I've done some writing where I've sat there and like written short stories and stuff. But I honestly like I kind of get more satisfaction out of like little jokes and uh, writing small things than I don't know. I think good writing is hard to achieve and very difficult and you have to be disciplined about it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that I have that right now but I might mm-hmm. again someday. I've tried, I've tried, I've written little fucking things. But um, yeah, my answer is writing's a lot harder, but I like the whole process, mm-hmm. which is writing, photography, design, jokes, events.
0: You wouldn't like to stick to one thing, like just do photography. I li- yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, writing is very lonely. Like what I do are, is already very lonely, but at least with photography, I get to leave the house. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. And my favorite uh, skate rider is Sean Kleiber.
0: Very last question from Ed Templeton. So he he asked a few questions, but I think you can pretty much answer them quickly. He said, how quickly did you realize that Toy Machine was the worst King of the Road contestants ever? (laughs) 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 I
3: don't think
1: they are. The worst one. Who's the worst King of the Road? I think the ones that gave the least shit ever was uh, when Etnies went oh yeah however they also made one of the king of the road one of the greatest things of king of the road which was the king of the road rap song with chris gentry so it's a toss oh, yeah. i think they tried the least of any team in the history of king of the road <laughs> at the same time a killer gentry rap song which sean malto knows all the words to still <laughs> toy Machine's great they've been like on nine times sinclair's been a million times Ed did the impossible nose pick over the spine naked. (laughs) No way. Wow. And then a family showed up. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, they're great. 100%.
0: All right. So next question from him is, when will the Burn Dog coffee table photo book be coming out? Dude,
1: I don't know. I was thinking about it. You know, I guess I get sort of, when I see these other photographers with their books, I kind of feel like I should just keep going. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Not that they've given up or anything, but like I've done some photo shows and it's kind of anticlimactic. You kind of, you do this stuff and it's like, I'm worried if I'm, you know, what if you make a book and nobody buys, (laughs) I just like, I just going to keep, I'm going to keep stacking. I'm going to keep stacking right now. And when I'm even older than I'm already old, but when I'm even older, then I can do that. But I like books. I like making them. They're fun to put together. But um, And I do make little one-off zines still, which are fun to do outside of Thrasher. But I like that Ed, but he knows I'm going to hit him up for the forward because oh, yeah. hopefully some of his art crowd will buy the fucking thing whenever I do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's very encouraging. It's nice to have encouraging friends. And I try to buy everybody's photo book that comes out to further encourage them. Mm-hmm. And I think, dude, I'm, I love them. but I guess I'm yeah sometimes those those photo shows are kind of a fucking like you're like what did i think was gonna happen (laughs) you just kind of feel you feel just kind of dumb you're like yeah let me just go (laughs) a lot of times the process of making things is the reward you know
0: Then the actual exhibition really really
1: once you figure it out like doing it is that's that's the payoff Mm -hmm. like what you think or what people make out to be the payoff sometimes isn't the payoff.
2: Okay. And there's been
1: a bunch of guys who turned pro and then basically that, that was it. They lost all their mojo and then yeah, yeah they yeah. were done. That's true. Because you thought, you thought that was it, but that's not it. So yes, this is the longest fucking answer. <laughs> I will make a book someday, but not now. Not now. And okay. thank you, Ed.
0: A couple last ones from him very quickly. Sure. So he said, when your daughters start dating... Will you be bummed or stoked if they bring home a skater? <laughs> um I just
1: want to, just somebody nice. I don't buy into it. have you ever met Matt Bublitz? I don't buy into it that all skaters are gnarly
0: mm-hmm. i
1: just yeah, you just want your children to end up with somebody kind and
0: of course, yeah
1: so yeah, uh, but I don't care. you know what I guess it would be like I just don't have to talk about fucking sports. <laughs> I just don't want to deal with squares or fucking Republicans. I just, oh, yeah, yeah. I can do it, but I don't want to, okay. you know? so that's, that's the main thing. So if we could talk about if they're remotely interested in something I'm interested in, that would be cool. But that said, I don't, nobody in my family, but me is interested in skating. So it's mm-hmm. fine.
3: <laughs>
0: You're used to it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Nobody gives a shit. <laughs>
0: All right, very last one from Ed. Do you remember that time in Barcelona when something you said was so funny that I literally fell over laughing uncontrollably and couldn't stop?
1: Yeah, of course. So just bigger picture. So like I said earlier, like I sent my stupid shitty zines to Ed Templeton. Yeah, yeah. um, As when I was... uh, A teenager. A teenager, you know, like... Mm -hmm. So getting to meet Ed and there's a few other people has been really, really cool and rewarding. And getting to meet somebody that you looked up to and then finding out that they're nice people and getting to have a relationship with them means a lot. Further, any time I could make Ed and Deanna crack up and uncontrollable laughing was a big victory for me because, uh, you know, you just like to make your friends laugh. Right, yeah. And also, like, uh, yeah. So there's the, none of them is going to make sense, but it was like... <laughs> One of them was, was basically Ed. Ed is a very open book. He was talking about like phone sex with Deanna. Okay. And he was carrying on and Deanna, he's Deanna's there. And I'm like, and then I said, yeah. And meanwhile, Deanna's folding socks. <laughs> and he just, something about that struck so true that they just, they were cried, dying laughing. <laughs> That's cool. The other one was like about a turd burglar graphic okay. that actually became a, a toy machine board. And it was just, that was just like, That's the thing. When you go on these trips, it's like going to camp. I don't know if you've ever been to camp. Yeah. There's dumb jokes and things are funny just to you guys and you sing dumb songs. This was before iPhones. This was more true. But in the old days, like, dude, I went on a trip to China and we were like, it was a week and a half of whistling. We were whistling wherever we went just because it was just stupid, just something dumb to do. And so you get on these controlled environments with these groups of people and it can be some of the most it's like camp if you've ever been to camp it's like a break from your normal life and you get to like just do dumb shit and best case scenario that's some of my favorite trips have been with ed Mm -hmm. and in those situations so if i'd known it was going to be our last trip i was it keeps saying we should have fucking rented jet skis or something Mm -hmm. i don't know (laughs) Like, I don't know when my last Ed Templeton toy machine trip was, but those days are over.
0: Yeah. Oh, you, you can still go on trips with him. Maybe not toy machine trips, but...
1: Uh... Yeah, he, I can't afford those hotels he's in.
0: <laughs> 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 Perfect. All right. Well, let's wrap it up here. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Michael.
1: Yeah, too easy. Thank you. Sorry if I talk too much. No,
0: no, no. It's No, absolutely not. That was amazing. Thank you so much. And uh, sorry it took a bit longer than I expected, but... Uh... It's Okay. Yeah, no worries. Good luck with uh, the end of Sodi season and holiday season that's coming. I hope you'll get a few days off to uh, relax and take your mind off the mag for a bit. Definitely. Cool. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. That's it for my conversation with Michael Burnett. Follow Michael on Instagram at Burnout. Check out some of the old King of the Roads Thrasher did up until 2018 on YouTube. Obviously, go visit ThrasherMagazine.com to get your daily fix of skateboarding news, videos, interviews, and more. And while you're on there, subscribe to get the print mag in your mailbox. Thank you for tuning in. See you soon for a new episode of Beyond Wars.